You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Tonight's Gray Matters is a rebroadcast of a previously aired program. Ticket, you're a homeboy under that hair. Dead gum television. Mr. Jaffa, I, uh, I can only say that I find your statement to be boorish. Listening to What Else But WCBN FM in Ann Arbor. 88.3. Mamón, hijo puta cabrón. Well, uh, it's a little after 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And it's almost like the good Lord saw daylight savings on the calendar and boom, winter vanishes. It's not over, but... Oh, it'll be nice this week, though. Yes. Relief is finally here for a little while anyway. Once you get over your disorientation at uh, having lost an hour of sleep. Oh, yeah. Well, I love daylight savings. It doesn't faze me at all. But, well, uh, I don't mind uh, once you get used to it, but it's this going back and forth. Yeah. I think they should just leave it the way it is right now. Just, I'm, this is the setting. Yeah. I'm more disoriented in the other one. They do it the other way because of, of the darkness all of a sudden in yeah. the evening. Anyway, uh, speaking of darkness, <laughs> the uh, film noir series continues. And tonight, it's the lady from Shanghai. Uh, just to mention this, this is one of those classic cult Orson Welles films. It's got one of the most famous uh, scenes in cinematic history, the Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> really interesting story. I'm going to skip tonight because I've seen this movie a number of times. But if you've never seen it on the big screen, do see it. I saw Lady of the Lake last week, and that was a very enjoyable experience. Fascinating uh, concept with the uh, direction of this movie. Uh, yeah, Lady in the Lake, that's a unique film. Yeah. Uh, shot from the point of view of the main character, so you don't see him. Yes. You see what he sees. You only see him occasionally in the mirror, which yep. is interesting because uh, we, uh, as human beings, don't see ourselves in the mirror the other way very often. It's the, it's the double mirror. And I mentioned this mirror thing because of the Hall of Mirrors. Um, Orson Welles movie, Rita Hayworth, exquisitely beautiful and a very interesting story. Uh, it's it's a, it's a film noir, but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed seeing. Well, that series is going to run through yeah. April mm -hmm. on Mondays, and uh, of course, they won't be interrupted by the Ann Arbor Film Festival because that goes from Tuesday through Sunday. So exactly. That series will continue. But on the subject of the uh, Ann Arbor Film Festival, the posters are available. So, Yeehaw. Uh, if you haven't gotten your hands on one, uh, make sure you do so so you can begin to plot your uh, plan of attack. 
uh, how to absorb as much of the film festival as possible. As usual, it's another very strong lineup of work this year, uh, and it's just underway in a couple of weeks' time. So Yeah, and, and I, as a longtime uh, attender of the festival, I, I definitely think that the quality of overall work has gone way up uh, because of the digital revolution, basically. There just simply are more submissions. It used to, of course, be 16-millimeter only, and, uh, well, the time, the times of technology are changing everything under our feet. So, Well, uh, actually, yeah, for, that's true in a couple of uh, ways. Uh, for the first time ever, I think about five or six years ago, there was a, a festival with no actual film stock. It was all digital. Oh, wow. Um, and then the next year after that, there began to be more things on film. Last year... They had a special program, of course, on uh, 8mm mm -hmm. film, and so it was a unique opportunity to see, which in its own time was the sort of uh, democratization of film technology in the way that digital has been for this era. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody had a 8mm brownie camera that you could film, you know, grandma and grandpa's anniversary with and so forth. Uh, a lot of art films were made with those, too. And so uh, now there is a resurgence in interest in... Uh, Earlier technologies, um, even typing is coming back. Typewriters, this is aside from the film festival, yeah, uh, sort of retro technology stuff. They, they, they find them in hollowed out pumpkins in uh, <laughs> Westminster, Maryland. Well, I buy up working, you know, <laughs> manuals when I when I find them. I sort of collect them and actually prefer to compose writing on a manual typewriter. So, I like the older technologies, and uh, in this, the fifty third Ann Arbor Film Festival, there will be all formats, digital. 60 millimeter, I think there's a few 8 millimeter, and uh, a lot of early computer uh, work in this one. Yeah, uh, interesting stuff good. as usual, and I know that you participate heavily in some of the pre-screening, so you know more about this than... a few of them that are in, yeah. Than, than anybody. A couple. Well, well in, in this room. <laughs> in this room, probably at WCBN FM Ann Arbor, in fact, uh, Jim has been a... Uh, member of the uh, screening uh, commission so to speak not to be confused with the warren commission but yeah it's you know typewriters are are indeed making a bit of a comeback uh for obvious reasons related to privacy security that kind of thing um and, and you know obviously this week with the kind of the pseudo scandal involving hillary clinton and emails that's just Nonsense. Pseudo scandal, indeed, because uh, for Republicans to be uh, concerned that somebody is like hiding in the shadows is like, okay, what about H.W. Uh, Bush's blanket waiver of like, we're going to hide all these documents? Well, that was his first executive order. Right. You know, we've been talking. Uh, you know, sweeping he, things into the shadows is something they generally like to do. This, you know, he he closed all of the Reagan and uh, his father's uh -huh. uh, papers, so. This transparency even debate before nine eleven that only even before nine eleven and and uh, I mean I'm more interested in reading Condoleezza Rice's emails. Indeed, that's yeah. National Security Advisor to Bush. I mean, why why is Hillary Clinton held to this one standard? She's already I think uh, put this pseudo scandal to rest by just saying, "Yeah, go ahead, release them all. There's nothing there." Uh, but this is uh, this is a typical pseudo scandal, and of course it. It it broke. The story broke. I think what's interesting about the timing of the story breaking was that it broke on the day before Netanyahu's uh, 
bizarre hawkish speech before Congress. Uh, he was addressing APAC that day, and needless to say, last week the media talked a lot about this Netanyahu speech, but very little about uh, the Israeli election, Netanyahu's particular problems. Uh, let's remember that there was a Gaza war last year that uh, caused him uh, some uh, dismay. For the second time in three or four years. Yeah, and he's got economic problems at home, and... There's a kind of a weird thing about Netanyahu where I guess the old saying is he may have worn out his welcome. I don't know that he's going to lose these upcoming elections, but I, I sense that this uh, speech uh, brouhaha has uh, damaged him a little bit at home, and I think the election will be closer than it might otherwise have been. Um, obviously, the Iran issue and what he said about Iran is uh, pretty much nonsense. Um because as one um, pundit put it quite well, as long as we're continuing to talk, there is no bomb being made. And then, of course, it exposed that Netanyahu has been claiming, uh, like Chicken Little, that Iran is one month away from a nuclear weapon for 20 years now. So uh, he's just simply uh, not credible on this uh, particular subject anymore, and it's a little unclear why he distrusts uh, essentially the National Security Council. China is not involved in the uh, negotiations, but Russia is. And it strikes me that uh, given the uh, tension ongoing in Ukraine with Putin and all that stuff, that uh, the, the, this is an example of compartmentalization, that, that uh, despite all the problems in the world, um, talking or jawing, is better than warring, as uh, Churchill once said. Well, you can't solve everything at once, and you can only deal with problems one worry at a time. So you have to, you know, allow the existence of things in, in reality to, okay, well, we'll deal with that later. This is the crucial point right now. Yeah. And, and to uh, surely and responsibly do that is, of course, uh, the, the great challenge for Congress as it currently is uh, constituted. Well, and, and I think that the claim that this is going to somehow change America's relationship with Israel is a little bit of a fraudulent argument as well. well. It, it, yeah, very much so. I think this gesture by uh, Boehner, Boner, don't call me Boner. I, yeah. It's hard not to. Oh, um, he is an incredible. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, he's allowing Netanyahu to sort of do a little uh, campaigning here. Uh, but this is also throwing a sop to the evangelical wing of the Republican Party, who uh, have great support for Israel, largely because I've always hastened to uh, re remind people uh, that the e evangelical contingent of, uh, you know, primarily Baptists in America are strong supporters of Israel, largely because uh, their end time scenario calls for, according to their interpretation of the book of Revelation, the kingdom of Israel to exist as a political entity and to rebuild the temple on the mount, then the world can be destroyed when Christ comes anew. Yeah, so when 144,000 people are killed. They right, even have yeah, a number. They've got numbers and everything. <laughs> and some, of course, look forward to this with great anticipation and excitement. Former Secretary of State James Baker was one of these, strangely. Uh, but the fact that, as I read in the New York Times over the weekend, that Pat Boone, yeah, 
was in attendance at Netanyahu's speech to Congress. Uh, Undoubtedly sporting a Western tie. (laughs) And those shiny white shoes. (laughs) Uh, Actually, the article uh, maintained that Pat Boone had uh, been hoping, because he's been friends with Netanyahu for years, uh, hoping for a personal shout-out from the podium. Right. Um, Because, of course, he's deeply concerned about, you know, militant Islam and uh, the Iranian threat to Israel, because if Iran destroys Israel before Jesus can, well, then there won't be the groovy end time scenario that all these people are sort of gaming for. So beware the support of Israel from the evangelical right. It's the support of the rope for the hanged man. Well, and and the thing is, is that when the Israel Israel, uh, foreign aid bill slash economic military foreign aid bill, because it's it's mainly military uh, support, you know, it's about $3.1 billion, uh, the largest recipient of American foreign aid. In fact, I think Israel accounts for about 20% of the entire foreign aid budget. You know the vote on on the Israel Israel uh, uh, issue is is you know less than ten no votes. It's it's, it's a right. foregone conclusion. Uh, obviously, American uh, Jewish voters um, are are not uh, monolithic in support of um, Netanyahu's sort of neo-Zionist policies uh, regarding the West Bank, and of course that issue is still. A, a a sore uh, between Obama and uh, Netanyahu and actually, and Kerry. Yeah, there's actually a bit of controversy in Israel right now about whether or not uh, Netanyahu has, has been quoted accurately as having said that oh a previous statement he made about the eventuality of a two state solution is meaningless that he's now forswearing that. So they're not even sure in Israel is he for the two state solution. Or is he not? You know, which wing of the Likud party is he catering to today? It's also interesting to note, by the way, at a kind of a personal animosity level between Obama and Netanyahu, Mm -hmm. that uh, the New York Times reported several months ago, right around the time when Netanyahu called called these early elections, figuring that he could take advantage of the uh, groundswell of support that he had for the Gaza War, Essentially, uh, looking at the fact that he was high in the polls. This is this is a common practice, by the way, in parliamentary democracies. Uh, Margaret Thatcher, of course, uh, called early elections right after the Falkland Wars victory. Yes, the Falkland Wars victory. Bang the drum and they'll come running. They'll come running and with their scones and their <laughs> cups of tea. And uh, she... Uh, I always loved uh, Borges' characterization of the Falkland Wars as a a war between two bald men fighting over a comb. Um, the sheep on the Falkland Islands remain British. <laughs> God save the Queen. <laughs> but of course, basking in her uh, temporary popularity, obscuring the fact that her economic policies were a disaster. Mm-hmm. She called early elections. Well, it's interesting to note that a former Obama sort of politico, a campaign type, is working against Netanyahu in the election. Hmm. He's actually been hired by labor. And this is a very interesting development in which there is this sort of cross-national campaigning going on with donations and very suspicious activity going on. Well, Mitt Romney wanted to go over to Israel and do fundraising when he was campaigning yeah. for president. So and it's, it's troubling. 
It's uh, not the 51st state yet. <laughs> not yet, but... Uh, and I've, I've always pointed out that if you look at America's strategic interest, uh, and I think that one of the things that the Netanyahu uh, brouhaha underscored was that, once again, and I, I highly recommend the uh, John Mearsheimer book, um, I should have brought my file in on that. It's called The Israeli Connection, and it's about the disproportionate power of APAC uh, in our political uh, system here in the United States with the uh, clairvoyant observation that Israel over the past uh, 30 years has received about $150 billion in economic and military aid, and they are not an asset they are called an ally, but they are not an ally in the Middle East. They are a liability in the Middle East. Um, I don't want to talk about the recruiting aspects that Israel causes the United States uh, as, as a liability, but it's quite clear that in any actual conflict, and we've seen this uh, because America's had so many of them, Israel is told to stay away, keep away. You can't participate in this, in this uh, warfare because you'll antagonize our Muslim allies. Hmm. Ally liability. <laughs> you you decide. Voter, you know, use an objective mind about it. The friend who can't help. Don't help. It won't help. Yes, you are qualified. You have great uh, military technology. You have fierce fighters, but you can't participate in the in our next war because we have other agendas. And and this reality, uh, I think, is never really exposed um, with any sort of objectivity in terms of thinking. Uh, so, if I benefited, if there were, I didn't pay attention to Netanyahu's speech, and I don't really care about it because I know what he said. I've I've heard this You've before. Heard it before, yeah. It's a broken record, and it's mostly propaganda and falsehoods. But the thing that was interesting about the week involving the controversy was all of the actual discussions by the sort of foreign policy and Council of Foreign Relations intelligentsia in Washington about the Iran problem, the Israel uh, speech problem. And, of course, Boehner created this whole situation by uh, really in an unprecedented uh, form uh, inviting Netanyahu to give this inflammatory speech on the eve of an Israeli election. I mean, this is ridiculous. Can you imagine uh, Ronald Reagan inviting Helmut Kohl <laughs> to give a speech before Congress right on the eve of German elections? It's just not done. <laughs> so this word protocol... Oh, boy, it sounds like something that you get at the proctologist. <laughs> well, I think you've aptly summed it all up with the nicely sounding phrase, Netanyahu brouhaha. Yes. <laughs> is exactly what it is. It's, uh, it's a lot of funny sounds hey, and a lot of silly noise. Boo-boo, let's go on a picnic. <laughs> I want a picnic with John Boner. <laughs> Pat Boone. <laughs> Bring along Pat Boone. <laughs> John Boehner. I'll wear my white wear my white cowboy boots <laughs> and dance a jig. Who if brought not, the potato salad? If not some Israeli folk music, they can even tune into WCBN and Java Jive and do some grooving, man. <laughs> At that a picnic with a boo boo. 
Uh, so, yeah, let's give him a brain damage award for, you know, if you're in a hole, keep digging, as they say. <laughs> uh, speaking of other uh, brain damage awards, let's give Governor Walker of Wisconsin a brain damage award. It's rather perverse to call a right-to-work bill a right-to-work when it is a right-to-freeload. And this, of course, is part of the whole new... Uh, quote-unquote libertarianism uh, goal in all sorts of policy areas about freeloading. Uh, this, of course, allows you to uh, be in a union without paying dues and get the benefits without being a union member. Uh, and, of course, this is all part of the a Alec... It's just another, you know, historic wedgie for organized yeah. labor in this country. It's... And so Walker, John Birch Society agenda coming to fruition has uh, engendered more uh, political problems for himself, though he's pleasing the far right and continues to uh, lead in the Iowa caucuses that uh, seem to consist of about 120,000 people with about 15 percent of the vote. So he's got about 18,000 votes in his back pocket. Boy, he's popular. <laughs> I can't wait for him to run for president. Well, the Koch brothers will probably find him to uh, smell rather delicious. Well, the Koch brothers are having problems with Indeed their they are. with their sort of roster of <laughs> governors that that seem to have so many economic problems in each individual state. You you kind of wonder uh, how long some of them are going to last. This is probably why the uh, yeah, there's taint on that money. So it, once people find out there's Koch funding. Yeah, and... It, oh, those guys. Coke funding is uh, being spread around uh, copiously for all sorts of reasons. Another uh, very interesting uh, week involving the uh, Justice Department report on Ferguson. Uh, we don't need to regurgitate the factual problems in the Ferguson actual police shooting, but uh, the big picture, I think... Uh, and gee, surprise, surprise, the police in the United States of America act as the unelected tax collectors for a local government. When did Americans discover this? This has been going on for years and jurisdiction after jurisdiction. It's not confined to Ferguson, though there was recently a lawsuit filed by some interest groups regarding the abuse of the police, regarding these sort of petty traffic stops and these uh, jail uh, sentences being applied to civil infractions, i.e. Uh, traffic violations. This has been going on in Ann Arbor for decades. Mm -hmm. The number of tickets have skyrocketed in this town. Uh, don't be fooled. And what, what this is really all about is the sort of lowest common denominator that goes on in America regarding taxes. Okay, we cut... Um, and Scott Walker has uh, wisely... I mean, quite foolishly, in fact, decided to cut the University of Wisconsin university system heftily as part of his desire to appeal to Wisconsin pig farmers. It's, it's very strange. Uh, of course, you know, there was a little get, gathering in Iowa over the weekend, and what did we discover? We found out that Almost all of the candidates, except one or two, are in favor of the Renewable Fuel uh, Act, you know, that, that, that promotes uh, ethanol. 
corn production, mm. that this is a article of faith in the farm state known as Iowa. Well, it's also corporate tax giveaways, questionable environmental policy. Um, and as I said, I've said before, I don't mind ethanol being used at the micro level if a farmer wishes to produce ethanol to run his tractors and combines and maybe the uh, uh, create electricity in the house, that sort of thing. I have no objections to that, but it strikes me that this uh, massive overproduction of corn here in the United States makes no sense. Oh, it's a complete mismanagement of resources. It's Strips the soil of nutrients. It's uh, water intensive. Uh, there's a number of problems. All ends the, up in the Mississippi, the by the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Pretty so much. This is why Archer Daniel Midlands gets so so many generous kickbacks, uh, and they can fund all those fine programs. Yeah, <laughs> largely in part because of the subsidies that the uh, corn sector enjoys. We so, are corn, as uh, yeah. the New York Review of Books once had in an article. The average Walmart, just for the record, has 50,000 products with corn in it. Yeehaw! And Iowa's not even the Cornhusker state. That's Nebraska. So, uh, you know, these corn subsidies that continue to distort uh, our agricultural policy make no sense. And it's, it's amazing that this is kind of an unabashed article of faith now within the Republican Party, that this blatant corporate welfare is part of the basic position that you have to have if you want to win in Iowa in the silly caucus system that they have. That and appeal to the religious right. So Scott Walker is uh, in all kinds of uh, deep mud for a lot of different reasons. But uh, the Ferguson report um, shouldn't shouldn't shock any American. Uh, it's Maybe one of Eric Holder's last great acts as attorney general. And while I have disagreed with a few things Eric Holder has done, I think that his tenure as attorney general will go down in history as much more uh, justice-related than, say, Edwin Meese or John Mitchell or... To name two of the worst. <laughs> Bobby Kennedy or Alberto Gonzalez or... John Ashcroft. Mm. I mean, the list of bums that we've had as attorney general is long. And I dare say that Eric uh, Holder and Janet Reno, who was longtime attorney general under Bill Clinton, will actually go down in history as some of our better attorney generals. And, of course, there was always Dick Kleindietz that took over <laughs> for Richard Nixon. When Mitchell was forced, well, Mitchell was actually the campaign manager, but uh, Kleindietz was, uh, was always on the phone with Nixon. <laughs> and when you re review those Watergate tapes, the thing that is so funny is listening to Tricky Dick keep calling the Attorney General boy. <laughs> That's right, boy. He's like, what? Who are you talking to, dude? This is the attorney. <laughs> Go back and read the his case. It's it's amazing stuff. Well, that's the sort of clumsy attempt at affection that warms the cockles of all our hearts for the Richard M. Nixon. And of course, he was uh, <clears throat> allowed to resign in the midst of the uh, German Shepherd massacre that occurred on. April 30th, 1973, 
Nixon thought that, may, well, maybe if I get rid of Dean Kleindates, Haldeman, and Ehrlichman, I can get over this Watergate problem. <clears throat> Wrong. It got worse before it got better. <laughs> well, it usually does. Yeah, we've got about two minutes left in the program today. Uh, Yazoo City Calling, of course, will be coming up at 7 o'clock. If you haven't remembered to switch the time on your clock or in your car, yep, that's right. It's coming up on 7 o'clock. Thanks to Andrew for engineering today, too, by the way. Indeed. And by the way, of course, the uh, Ferguson um, situation uh, has lots of moving parts still. This is just... Yeah, there's a shooting just today or uh, last Friday in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. There was unarmed a, uh, black teenager. Unarmed black uh, person there. And, of course, there was a rural shooting in Missouri a couple about a week ago involving a white uh, a white uh, welfare recipient uh, on uh, crystal meth, probably. Lived with his mom, you know, one of those uh, Arthur Bremer types. Uh, decided that he would sh kill his and pretty much his whole family in some little town. That shooting got pretty little coverage, and I, I, I've always noted the irony of the fact that on the same day of the uh, verdict uh, report back in, uh, in November in Oklahoma, a Tulsa woman was fatally shot in the head by her three-year-old son who had come across a handgun in their home, the police said Tuesday. The 26-year-old woman died Monday and was apparently hit with a single shot as she was changing her three-year-old, one-year-old daughter's diaper, the uh, woman's grandmother says, who also lives in the house. She found the woman along with the children inside the house. That's a Reuters report. American sniper. Yeah. Uh, and that story, Pretty of sad. course, was kind of buried in all of the hoopla about the situation in Ferguson back in November. Well, you know, the NRA wants to protect women by getting guns for women. Toddlers need protection, apparently, from other toddlers. Uh, perhaps this diaper had some sort of uh, fatal discharge, uh, and this guy was scared. He was scared. His gun went off. You know, these things happen. It yeah. was his right. Well, so out of time here on WCBN up. FM Ann Arbor. You've been listening to Gray Matters. Do stay tuned. Azu City Calling coming up next on this fine station. Hi, we're the Ramones. So I'm a and cat, and I just moved in with this new human, right and she's got this little toy she's always playing with. English for WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. Time is now 7:01, and you're listening to Yazoo City Calling on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. This is our weekly tribute to the down-home blues recorded across America in the 1920s. 30s and early 40s, broadcasting to you live every Monday 
from 7 to 8 p.m. here on 88.3 FM. My name is Weston, and I'm your host alongside Jerry Mack, who started this program way back in 1988. If you'd like to call and make a request this hour, 734-763-3500 is the phone number. We're going to get started with an elder.